FC with this kick. The 2022 MLS season is officially over, which means the fun part starts now. Hot Tim winner off-season, but our champion for the first time is LAFC, and that was the game-winning penalty kick by former SKC player Elie Sanchez, as called by John Strong on Fox. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And as you might expect, we're going to talk a little bit about MLS Cup, but that wasn't the biggest news in Nashville. Tim, Music City boasts an MVP in a professional league for the first time since 2003. And by Tim, of course, I'm referring to Tim Sullivan, the proprietor, the owner, the writer, the one and only Club USA, ClubCountryUSA.com. Right. You almost had it. You had it. You were so close. Wes. So you close. almost nailed it. <laughs> so well, I just realized halfway through, I forgot to say our names and there might be <laughs> people listening. You've never listened before. So got to make sure they know what's up. So hi, Tim. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Wes? Bullying? I'm not not so good, but <laughs> light in a life sense, I'm great. In a college football sense, not great, not awesome. Still hungover, despite not really drinking yesterday uh, from a loss between the hedges to Georgia. But that means it's all the more fun to talk about uh, Major League Soccer, which I, I'm told is the reason that we're on this podcast. No, this is this is uh, the only college football MLS podcast. Not not this week. It's not next week. <laughs> Once we beat Missouri, I can get back to talking a little bit of football. <laughs> We can we can talk about Michigan getting ready for Ohio State too. Uh, the final was madness. Like I, I was I was at ML Rose. I was watching Tennessee Georgia right in front of me. There was a TV with the final on behind me. And every time I turned around, it looked like there was there was another goal happening. Went back to my brother's place to watch the very end of both the bitter end of UT and and the uh, glorious end of LA LAFC and and Philly. Tim, let's just recap for a second exactly what went down in MLS Cup just in case there were others like me who were maybe otherwise engaged. So 1-1 score at the break, two goals in the final seven minutes of regulation, a red card on Maxime Crepeau, uh, who also got hurt on the play for a dog-so situation, two goals and extra time stoppage, including an equalizer by Gareth Bale in the 128th, and then your MLS Cup MVP, former Tampa Bay Rowdies keeper, John McCarthy, who replaced former Ottawa Fury keeper Maxime Crepeau. He makes three stops. LAFC wins 3-0 in penalties and takes home the cup as well as supporter shield. That was all. That was really it. Not not much to talk about. Yeah, that's that's Philly's own John McCarthy who is the MLS <laughs> MVP against the Union as Great well. Flag. So yeah, I was I was kind of flipping back and forth and we we make no secret of the fact that we are big college football fans on this podcast. I was flipping back and forth and I I fortunately missed the Crepo injury. It sounds like it was pretty gruesome. Mm-hmm. But you know, every time I switch back, you know, you expect to switch to say a football game and there's going to be a big hit, a big, a big pass play, a big run. And then you switch back to soccer and you're like, okay, I kind of have to let this breathe a little bit and see and wait for some action to happen. That was not the case in this MLS Cup final. It was an incredible end to end game, especially, you know, once the teams got to that one one draw, it was basically just madness the rest of the way. And um, both, both, the types of madness that you expect on a weekly basis in major league soccer and stuff that's just so far beyond and, and is what makes this one of the best entertainment products in the world of soccer. And I don't say that lightly. I mean that in a very literal sense. I was talking to a college football journalist actually about that this week. Who's not really gotten into MLS or really soccer at all. And I was like, look, you would like MLS because it's college football. It may not be the same quality as the NFL, or in this case, the premier league, you know, going with the metaphor, but it's so unpredictable. It's so fun. My problem with it, Tim, sometimes, though, is that the, the latter stages of the playoffs can often, at least to me, me feel a little bit like the, like the ping pong tournament in summer camp, where once everybody's eliminated, they stop caring who's actually playing in the final and they just kind of want to move on. 
Um, I that to me, it's not always been the climax that it should be. When you mm-hmm. have a four seed playing a four seed, when you have the crapshoot stuff happen this year, different. One versus one for the first time since I believe we said last week, oh three. Yep. Um, and obviously the game spoke for itself, and it was so fun to have that culmination Hollywood style with, with a, a script you couldn't have written in advance. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if it provides solace or makes Nashville SC fans even sadder that Philly gets shut out on a penalty kick shootout after doing that to Nashville last year. So it's a situation where they got a, a bitter taste of their own medicine, I guess. But everything about it, uh, you know, just just so much entertainment product, so much emotion going into it. Unfortunately, Gareth Bale did something successful, which which really diminishes my brand. But <laughs> but that's life. Same. I when as soon as he scored, I looked at my brother and I said, "Well, that's a bailout because they were down a oh, man. Well, it, it, uh... it worked. That should have been the headline. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not a, a print journalist. Uh, but but yeah, seriously, the the PK thing was was a little bit funny and and yeah, quite ironic. And I think what it was is Nashville just planted a, a, a destructive bug in Philly's PK system that waited a year to emerge and it came out. And and so now maybe Philly did that to LAFC. So that next year when Nashville beats LAFC in MLS Cup, it's going to be because LAFC gets blanked on penalties. That's, okay. that's probably yeah, that's what's going to happen. It's, it's transitive property of, of <laughs> penalty kick, shootout, shutouts. It's maybe well maybe. well known long term maxim that we have in this sport. That's it, really, and, and the metrics really bear that out, of course. Um, so so we've talked MLS Cup now. That's about as much as we're going to talk MLS Cup today. Maybe a little bit more, but we want to go back to Nashville. We're going to hear from Hani Mukhtar, who had his MVP press conference this past week. Uh, we'll give you some final gold nuggets about his dominance this year. You've probably heard most of the stats. I'm guessing you haven't heard these. We'll go a, a, a level deeper, as that's what we want to do on this podcast. Uh, also, Nashville's MLS Next Pro affiliate. It's going to reveal its new name this week. What do we want it to be? We'll have a little fun. And then we'll go outside in and start prepping for the World Cup. But Tim, first, of course, ML Rose, our sponsor on this show. And for the first time, I went to the Capitol View location to, to mm-hmm. watch UT Georgia with my brother. I, If I never return there, it's only going to be because of the sour taste in my mouth from the game. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about the service. It was phenomenal. I got the veggie nachos, which were on my bucket list. And they would have like filled up a bucket. So it was appropriate. Uh, that they were on the bucket list. They were delicious. Really, really good. The, the queso there is so rich and, and the beans, like I like good mushy beans on those. It, it was really, I'm not good at describing it in, the, in a way that makes it sound appealing, but it was, <laughs> it was great. Uh, I had a few beers and then quickly went sober once the game was not going well. Yeah. You're a, you're a greater man than I, cause I typically go in the opposite direction when my game starts going poorly, but, uh, mine, mine did not go poorly this weekend. So that was good for me. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I managed to have a couple of beers myself. They were unfortunately not ML Rose beers, but it would have been, it would have been the perfect opportunity for us to go hang out together. Of course, the, the games were at different times. So we could have, yeah. we could have, we could have completely shifted gears, had a wardrobe change and everything, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, each of the ML Rose locations is, is, you know, something that is a little bit different from the other ones. They mm-hmm. all have their own characteristics, but the consistency of, of the quality of food and the, and the beer menu, um, the cocktail menu are all very consistent across the locations. And I'm glad you got to experience the Capital View one. 
It was really good. Yeah, it, it does have a different vibe in, again, a good way, in a very gulchy way. And again, that probably sounds like an insult, but it's not. It's, yeah, it's a very crisp place, very well taken care of, big glass, good good lighting coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was really nice. Jeff, definitely check it out. Parking, easy there as well. Um, highly recommend the Capitol View location of ML Rose. Do not recommend getting beat by Georgia 2713. Uh, moving <laughs> in now to the early shout, and it is an MVP version. It's my honor now to be able to award the 2022 Landon Donovan Most Valuable Player Trophy to Hani Mukhtar. Hani. Nashville's number 10 is Major League Soccer's number one. You hear Hani Mukhtar's thoughts on his his MVP season. And Tim, I think we we expected Hani Mukhtar to win Mm -hmm. this award. Personally, I don't think I expected him to get 78% of the media vote, which is what he got. I think the media vote will often be a little more uniform than the player and the club where there's a little more diversity of opinion, perhaps, <laughs> um, or diversity of, of you know conversational forums. Um, but he did win all three categories, player, yep. media, and club, 48% of the overall vote and uh, earned some vindication after some in Nashville, including me, and I think maybe you as well, believed he was snubbed when he finished runner-up last year. The vote total and kind of the distribution can be a little bit misleading because everybody only gets one vote. You don't vote like ranked choice or anything. You just vote for your first place player. And uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I I do vote for this award. I'm the president of the North American Soccer Reporters and participate in media voting. So I know how it works. Hmm. Um, A guy can be second on, on basically every single voter's mind, but wind up with zero votes. That's basically what Hani did last year. That's the reason that he was so far behind Carlos Heel. And that's probably the same reason that uh, he finished so far ahead of Austin FC's Sebastian Driussi this year is that Hani was a, a pretty clear number one this year to me. He was a pretty clear number one last year as well. But that's that's neither here nor there at this point. But the, at the end of the day, you know, Driussi was probably everybody's number two. He, he might have been more people's number two than Hani was the number one. Mm-hmm. But... The issue is if you're everybody's number two, you get zero votes. So so it's a situation where the results kind of bear out that Hani was a clear shout ahead of him, um, regardless of of what the margin actually ends up looking like because of the that kind of quirk of the system. Mm-hmm. But it's something that to keep in mind and, and is I think another I don't want to say vindication, but maybe another another point in support of Hani Mukhtar's incredible season that he was able to win by such a wide margin. Yeah, ranked choice voting definitely can change the dynamic. I mean, MLS Player of the Month is ranked choice. Player of the Week is top two for for media to vote. Um, you're you're deeply involved in those. That's correct, yeah, right? Top I, I two. I run that voting myself. Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. I thought so. Just giving you the moment to establish that credibility, as if you needed any more of it. I think it'd be a little bit boring for us to start talking again about the Golden Boot season and about the what he did, because I think everybody who listens to this knows. Let's talk about the how, and I think we'll we'll get into some deeper numbers in a minute, but I thought it was also interesting to hear Hani credit Steve Guppy with with a lot of his evolution over the past few seasons since coming to Nashville. Here's what Hani had to say about his relationship with Steve and the work that Steve has put in to help him get to this point. He put the work, put the hours in for me and um, make me a better player, and he he did so much the last three years. Actually, a funny story was... The first time I met him was at the dinner in Tampa and our training camp. And he said, can I have a minute with you? And he said, yeah, let's have a video analyze. Or I, w- I want to show you a video about your, your, current, uh, your clubs before. So he showed me a video over like three, four minutes with all the situations I had. And it actually were good moments. And he asked me, what do you think? And I said, okay, yeah, they're good moments. I beat a player. And he said... Yeah, but you be the player in the middle of the field. 
You need to be the player in the last third of the field where you get in scoring situation where you can be the player and score goals. And he took so much work into it and I just wanted to say thank you. He changed the view, how I have to play, how I see, how I view football and um, yeah, big thanks to him. Tim, I thought, again, giving giving Steve that credit was really interesting and, and, and fair. And I think, you know, it gives a moment in the spotlight to a guy who, by the nature of his role, is not going to get it, not going to seek it necessarily either. Mm-hmm. Um, but the work he has done with with Hani, and especially, you know, in these 1v1s, right? And not just Hani. You've seen Taylor Washington improve dramatically. You've seen Dan Lovitz have strong moments. Alex Mwil. Oh, man, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is he to the heartbeat of this club, especially you know, proportionate to the level of recognition that he actually gets for that. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's breaking any news to say that Nashville SC has a certain defensive reputation and they're going to rely on individual brilliance for a lot of their attacking production. We're about to talk a lot about how Hani Mukhtar is so responsible for so much of that. But when you have a broader range of players who can provide that individual attacking brilliance, and that's what Guppy's job is, is to develop the attacking talent of all these guys. This is a guy who has played at the highest levels of the game. He's coached um, in England as well. And he's a guy who is going to get the most out of each individual player's attacking ability. And he's done that. And I, I Hani absolutely has benefited from that. And, and so have a lot of his teammates. Um, unfortunately, they didn't do a, a ton to, to augment him this year in, in terms of pure goal scoring. But I do think that we saw them get better on an individual basis. And a lot of that comes down to Guppy for sure. Also known as the other loud British voice at training, <laughs> Steve Guppy. So, so just how dominant was Honey Mukhtar? We've heard the big stats. Most goals in MLS over the last two years. No other player has come within 16 goals plus assists in that span. But let's go a little bit deeper in our gold nuggets and talk about Honey's dominance by the numbers. He didn't just lead MLS, Tim, in goals and goal contributions. He also led the league in shots. Shots on target, both by double digits over second place Chicho Arango. And in fact, let's let's look at percentage of a team's total shots on target. Hani, 38% of Nashville's shots on frame, also highest in MLS. Some other big numbers there who scored a lot of goals this year. Jesus Ferreira, 32%. Jeremy, Jeremy Abobasi on a, a rough San Jose team at 30. Sebastian Driussi, 26%. Arango, 24%. So Tim, I think that's even more impressive when you consider that CJ Sapong only took five shots on target from July onward. Hani was the focal point in the final third for Nashville, and still he managed to put together this kind of volume. His goals and expected goals numbers were, were kind of dependent on high volume for sure. His his expected goals per shot was just 62nd in the league, and, and that does include a lot of guys with very small sample size. <laughs> but he would have been outside of the top 25, even if I had sliced the data to be a little bit more uh, demonstrative of, of guys who are relied upon for their teams. Nonetheless, his efficiency was limited by the fact that he had to deal with plenty of defensive attention, and he didn't have options to feed as much as he historically would. Um, obviously, CJ Sapong's year was not huge. Uh, you know, Alex Mwil, we just mentioned improving offensively. He's not going to be, you know, an attacking tour de force in this league. So Hani had to do a lot himself. And, and to his credit, he did. And, you know, the the drop off in efficiency is probably not worth worrying about when he was able to get as much usage as he did. Honey also led Major League Soccer in a stat called goals added. And Tim, correct me on my definition of it's off, but essentially it measures a player's impact per touch over a variety of different types of situations and touches. Is that how you would define that? Yeah, it's it's it accounts for every on ball action. So that's making or receiving a pass, um, you know, making it or or having a ball tackled away from you. 
Um, so it's not just touches, but it is it's essentially everything that's that's measurable by by a, a pseudo traditional stat in terms of the impact that it has on your team's likelihood of turning a possession into a goal. And by definition of a position of a, of a yeah. player not being able to be omnipresent on the pitch, you're going to have be stronger in some areas and, and weaker in mm-hmm. others. Every player is. But Hani ranked first in goals added from shooting. No surprise, he led the league in scoring. Tenth in the dribbling section of goals added. Eleventh in receiving. This despite having the second lowest touches per 90 of any regular starter for NSC. So perhaps no surprise then Hani would rank atop this list. Given his production, Tim, despite ranking, again, so low in those touches per 90 among frequent NSC starters. Yeah, so I, I kind of tried to slice the data a different way. He got a lot of okay. touches proportionally compared to his teammates. He was fit, had the fifth most touches as a percentage of all touches when he was on the field um, behind the four starting defenders, um, you know, Shaq Moore, Walker Zimmerman, Dave Romney, and Dan Lovett. So I think a big part of it is that Nashville was playing a bit of keep away once he came off the pitch because they were essentially winning games <laughs> and he was subbed <laughs> off to to go and, and let them possess and, and give him a little bit of rest because he needed it given what he was able to do for the team this year. But realistically, the style of play that Nashville utilizes and, and of course that Hani optimized means that a lot of his touches are going to end up as shots or key passes or as you mentioned, dribbling. He's dribbling forward at a, at a high rate of speed. You're not going to get a ton of touches when they are you know so... Uh, such high velocity in the direction of the goal. So that's a big part of his limited number of touches is because they were pretty productive. So it is something to to, to think about. And of course, free kicks. Uh, you're going to get a lot of goals added on free kicks. That is definitionally one touch when you, when you take a free kick. So there are some reasons that he was able to do it that way. And I think there are some reasons that you could say, okay, maybe he maybe he touched the ball a little bit more as a percentage of, of what the team did than it looks like. But overall, I, I don't think we need to convince anyone that Hani Mokhtar was important to Nashville SC or the most valuable player in this league either. And next year, Steve Guppy's going to teach him to master a two-touch free kick just to change those numbers a little <laughs> I bit. I think it's illegal. I think may it may not be illegal. I was going to say. I think another player has to touch it before you can exactly. touch it a second time. That was, that was part of the joke. Uh, so where else did Hani rank among best in MLS? First in expected goals, first in progressive passes received, that is defined as passes over 10 yards or into the penalty area, and those stats are not surprising to anybody, uh, but also fourth in chances created, fourth in expected assists, eighth in fouls drawn, 10th in crosses, which corner kicks, free kicks count in, in that category. So again, that's going to bolster you there. Uh, Tim, these all point, of course, to a player who was, again, the vocal point of the attack. We're not surprising anybody with that statement. But how does Nashville reduce the burden on Mukhtar without diluting the extreme effectiveness that he had, not just in the penalty area, but also in the buildup? Yeah, the buildup is where I want to focus because I think that it doesn't feel like it's a Nashville SC fans who saw Hani carry such a heavy burden in terms of goal scoring itself. But I think it is where you can take a lot of load off of him. And I think the first thing that you look at is a healthier year for Dax McCarty and Anibal Godoy. Um, Dax played 58% of available minutes. Godoy only played 30% of available minutes this year, which is absolutely incredible. I like ran the numbers multiple times because that can't possibly be right. Um, I think if if fans are disappointed about a pair of first 11 players, including the league MVP, resulting in only a fifth place finish, that's where you can look and say, okay, well, there are some mitigating factors here that 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 made it maybe a disappointing team performance despite a couple of great individual performances. Um, Brian Anunga and especially Sean Davis are very good players, and they're reasonably well-rounded players, but neither of them has the kind of attacking complement to a guy like Hani that 
McCarty and Godoy can bring. And um, if those guys are healthy next year, or if, or if the um, players that Nashville SC brings in to continue building depth behind them are a little bit more similar stylistically, I do think it makes life a lot easier on Mukhtar. Yeah, I can't doubt that. I'll be really interested to see what kind of moves Nashville will make to try to supplement Dax and Audible and some of that buildup. And Dax McCarty is one player uh, for whom the club has an option to uh, to uh, continue to pick up his contract this year. And that will be part of the roster decisions that they have still not announced. Now, they have made these roster decisions. They had to, but they have not publicly <laughs> announced them. We uh, teased the fact that we would have that analysis on this show. And of course, the minute this hits your feeds, they're probably going to announce it. Uh, but it sounds they're, like they're, it may ex- still be they're expecting to announce it. Uh, we will have we will have another show by the time they're expecting to announce it. I, we, you and I misinterpreted the, the offseason calendar, I think, um, which is fair, fair to them. But um, you're allowed to make your roster decisions after the trade window this year, which is strange. That is it's a big, change then. Yes, that's yes. okay. I was going to say that's not necessarily a, a, the first hot Tim winter uh, error. Yeah. That's that's a change. So we'll uh, we'll call it that. Um, some other dates though, as we discuss uh, roster decisions. And by the way, it's it's hot Tim winter, but but it's still not technically winter in the calendar. So we're going to call it Mike Jacobs fall at the same time <laughs> uh, because November is a big month for Mike He's Jacobs. Have pumpkin spice lattes and, and jeggings on all month. And you can put a little bit of peppermint in there to make it a little bit wintry too. Peppermint <laughs> pumpkins. That sounds awful. No, no, thank you. Um, November 7th. So by the time people are listening to this, the trade window will have opened uh, and Nashville SC and other clubs are going to be able to start making deals. And, and that's where, again, Mike Jacobs thrives. He's been looking and determining where he can extract value, um, find those undervalued or distressed assets. Uh, one of them, of course, um, that was undervalued, Tim, Jacob Schaffelberg. There's been some reporting that he'll be sticking around. Yeah, I mean, that's been our expectation. I think we've talked about it pretty openly. I don't know, several episodes that the expectation is that he would be a permanent signing for Nashville SC from Toronto FC. Uh, there are not 350,000 allocation dollar loan fees in this league on a regular <laughs> basis unless uh, there's kind of a handshake agreement to say, hey, when the when the transfer window is open, that's your player on a permanent transfer. And that's what we expect to happen with Schaffelberg. So that's something that, uh, you know, especially fans who were so excited to see what he was able to do over the back half of the year, uh, get used to it because I would expect that he's going to be doing it for, for multiple more years in, in gold. And great to see him called into camp for the Canadian men's national team in advance of their friendly with Bahrain as well. And, and we would expect him to be a depth piece there for sure. He's, he's likely not going to get a world cup call up, uh, but still to be, uh, he, in that... he looked at me like I had grown antlers when I said, I don't know if, if you, there's a chance for the world cup, but <laughs> when we had him on a few episodes, <laughs> it was a great interview and, and worth going back and listening guys now in the context of him being most likely uh, according to our sources and elsewhere, a full-time Nashville SC player. Um, it, it was a fun conversation in which, yes, Tim did touch on that national, those national aspirations. And he is a guy that moving forward should be a factor, can be a factor for them. I think that's indicated by the fact that he's with every one of those World Cup players um, here for this this friendly coming up on Friday against Bahrain. Uh, and on that same day, Friday, November 11th, is the expansion draft. Clubs can protect 12 players. There are some other caveats that apply that I think, Tim, you may touch on here in a second of, of players who aren't even really eligible to be to be drafted in the expansion draft, mm-hmm. but each team is going to list those uh, protected players and therefore available players too on November 10th. Uh, so Thursday, is there anybody Nashville should worry about losing or do you feel like they can cover most of what they want to cover with, with the guys they're going to protect? Yeah. So they don't, they don't need to, to protect guys who are homegrowns age 25 or younger. So that means Handwala Buana, 
Jacob Schaffelberg, assuming as, as we do assume that he is going to become a permanent member of this club um, by that time, Ethan Zubak, those guys are all, all automatically protected. They do not count against the 12. Um, I think Nashville won't bother with guys that we don't expect back, whether that's, um, you know, pieces that they're going to allow to leave through free agency or just simply letting their contracts run out. Probably also don't have to worry about losing Ake Lobo or Rodrigo Pinheiro. But uh, if any MLS GMs out there would like to take on the designated player cost for Ake Lobo, I'm sure Nashville SC would would gladly. Oh, they'll dangle him out there. They do. They do have to um, protect him if they have a no trade clause in his contract. I I would actually assume that they do have one on him um, because otherwise guys tend to not come from Mexico to, to Major League Soccer unless they know where they're going to live. But um, in terms of who Nashville could lose, this is my grand theory. It's it's a total tinfoil hat type of thing. Oh it's not okay. going to happen. I'm mostly just joking um, because we know that the club doesn't really want this to happen. They've been very clear about this player. A handshake deal that that Nashville leaves Jack Mayer unprotected. Ooh. So he's a graduating generation Adidas player. Um, his generation Adidas deal, which allows Nashville to not have to pay him essentially his market value. The league eats the market value of, of a player who leaves college early. That deal is ending and Nashville will have to give him a big raise and Nashville will have to pay him for the first time. Major League Soccer and Adidas have paid him previously. He has not counted against the salary cap until now. And now he's going to be a a, a pretty high salary player. Uh, that's that's money balls is letting a, a high an asset that is going to uh, reach a higher uh, practical value. Uh, rather than just your internal value, uh, depart basically. Um, St. Louis has a lot of extra allocation money laying around to pay a player like that, as Nashville SC did in the mm-hmm. expansion year as well, and, and used it to get guys like Anibogadoy. Also, Mayer, a St. Louis native uh, from the Illinois side of the border, I believe, if I recall yep. correctly. But his younger brother is a St. Louis City SC homegrown, still at Indiana University, but you know, Jack can help Joey uh, kind of get familiar with St. Louis City as a, as a program. And, uh, you know, this is a guy, this is a guy who has a hometown club now who didn't previously all that said, this is a joke. I think I, I, I hope I, it's a joke because, because, uh, Mike Jacobs and Gary Smith have both been unequivocal about how important <laughs> he is to the future of this club, but the words I think would, are doing a lot of work here, by the way. Yeah. It, it, it would be interesting to, to have that sort of deal. I do think if Nashville gets somebody selected in the expansion draft it is as we have seen in previous years something that seems to kind of be hashed out between the clubs beforehand they kind of have an understanding of okay we're going to take this player okay you know here's what you get i think nashville each year that that they are um not protected from the expansion draft because they had a guy taken the previous year they would they would be happy to kind of donate somebody that the that they don't have a necessary use for in the future so that they're protected the following year from having somebody taken in the expansion draft. Um, Wes is looking at this huge grin on my face, seeing how much I love all this, these just stupid <laughs> mechanisms that are so much fun to me. The but best. yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my, my initial spiel for the, for the expansion draft. But I do think Nashville, um, there's a pretty good chance that Nashville has somebody taken. I don't actually think it's it's probably going to be Jack Mayer unless there's there's something pretty sweet coming in return for it beyond the $50,000 in allocation money that you get from the league for having somebody taken. I don't mind that theory. I agree with you. They've been extremely high on Mayer. They've called him publicly like a young Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, and yeah he's, he's the Walker Billy. Zimmerman, Longmire's the Dave Romney. Yeah, I've been I, very I clear about that. I don't think you mess with that equation. I also mm-hmm. think there is that chance, as I've mentioned in my own conspiracy, that's not even really much of a conspiracy, that Walker gets an offer he can't refuse, or the club does for Walker after the World Cup, and then Jack Mayer is your starting center back. Again, we don't expect that, but you never know. 
you need bear around in that in that eventuality um hear me out here the club likes elliot panico maybe he's a year away from being ready for everyday action but joe willis is also a st louis native Ooh, i forgot about that Ooh, man he's 34 but keepers can last a little longer joe's extremely solid showing no signs of, of completely dropping off the face of the earth and you can get a heck of a lot of game for that just saying yeah, that's 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 a that's an interesting one i think uh obviously he's on a different part of his career curve than mayor is but he's also a guy that the club has been pretty unequivocal about how much they like him but that's an interesting one forgot that he's a st louis native because he's so tied to denver for me for after playing with pioneers yeah a college player yeah i went to du which has a lo- lovely hockey stadium by the way also mm-hmm. the home of andre shinishiki and uh you're seeing why uh, we think these Bro, are going to be oh our shortest episodes. We're going to have to talk about. We're going to have to talk about reentry and all this stuff. Andre Shinyashiki is eligible for free agency. Bring this him. Dude makes this dude makes under a hundred grand. Oh my goodness, we're gonna we're gonna come back to this. There's so much here. Again, yeah. we write these oh, rundowns yeah. and they're pretty short in the off season, and then we just get going and we have to do like three yeah. Zoom sessions to get through this. <laughs> so it is it is fantastic. Um, November 16th, by the way, free agency opens. That's the other uh, big roster deadline here soon, and man, it's going to be fun, especially once these roster decisions continue to come out for other clubs and again nashville knows the direction it's going to go just hasn't uh, put those out to the public yet we have an idea we have some inklings from people we've talked to but nothing that we can uh, we can formally confirm just yet so uh, more to come and uh, also more to come from huntsville alabama where uh, quickly nashville's mls next pro uh, affiliate team i mean nashville's kind of in charge of them too we'll call them what you want to uh, the branding is going to be introduced. That's going to be Wednesday. It's going to be a whole big event. Uh, John Ingram, Ian A are going to be down there. Uh, Tim, any uh, preferred branding that you want to see this club under? Or is this going to be, I mean, it's not going to be Nashville SC2. It's going to be based elsewhere. So which way do you think they're going to go with this? Yeah, I, th- I think Huntsville SC with the H having the same sort of stylistic uh, mm-hmm. profile as the N from the Nashville SC branding. Pretty simple. And it's, you know, There's an argument to be made, as we did last week, about something like Rocket City Trash Pandas being a worthwhile sort of just hook to get people interested in your team in the first place. I don't think Nashville's looking for that with its MLS Next Pro team. So, yeah. Fairly conventional in in its branding decisions, usually. I would Mm -hmm. agree. I would love to see, and I agree with you, it's probably going to be Huntsville SC. Uh, I would love Gold Star Huntsville. Gold mm-hmm. star, rep, you know, representing the rocket, you know, the, the space and rocket center there and that lineage. And then Huntsville, of course. And you got kind of the red star Belgrade feel. However, there's also a gold star chili out of Cincinnati. So perhaps they ran that up the trademark poll. Probably not. But if they did, might get rejected. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Cincinnati has another famous chili as well. That, that <laughs> So we, I would stay away from all chili related names. Typically, the EFC, Hormel. Hormel <laughs> Football Club. Uh, uh, well, you know, I don't. I've never actually had chili at Melrose, but those nachos were really good, and it was fun to have that on my. I'll actually take you through my my list of how how my Saturday went because I did a lot of eating at Melrose. It was great. So I had the the black bean nachos. Great vegetarian option, by the way. I am not a vegetarian, but these were tremendous, um, and certainly would make me happy to be a vegetarian at least for a day. Um, then I went with the Thai peanut chicken salad again because it's what I ate when Tennessee beat Alabama. So <laughs> tried to summon that magic because, of course, that has an impact on what players 200 miles away are doing. Um, and then finally closed out with some loaded fries in my like two and a half hour stint there. And it was all it was all awesome at that Capitol View location. It was it was pretty great. 
Yeah. And I mean, we have talked about this a lot that despite how much we talk about ML Rose, neither of us has had every single thing on the menu. And I don't know if, if we'll ever be able to, to run the whole gamut, but the fact that it's, it's a, a, a restaurant that you can go to and have something that is a familiar taste to you. And it's something that you have every time, or you can go there and have something completely different every time. And, and, it'll take you a really, really long time to run out. We've been trying and we haven't been able to pull it off. <laughs> I think that's one of the, the big selling points about Emma Rose. And it doesn't feel like, oh, they're throwing stuff on the menu just no. to have more options. It's everything is well thought out, but they're, they still manage to have so many different options for, for, you know, different palates, different, different uh, meat versus vegetarian type of diets. They have basically everything that you could want from a place where you, uh, you know, the core function is to go and, and watch games and enjoy good food and good people. There's often an inverse relationship between variety and quality, as you mentioned, and not in the case of ML Rose, for sure. Speaking of variety, lots of uh, crazy things happened this year in MLS, lots of unpredictability, lots of parity. Uh, as we go outside in, one quick MLS question before we talk World Cup. Matt Showalter asks, if you're looking across the league, I'm interested to hear who you think is going to make the biggest improvement and biggest fall off. Tim, look at Austin as kind of an obvious answer as a mm-hmm. team that could potentially decline. They overachieved their XG by 13.1. doesn't feel sustainable, although they, I think they do have the ambition to keep investing and to continue to bolster that, that roster. That's my drop-off candidate. Two improvement candidates, Toronto under Bob Bradley. They pay their players too much to be bad for too long. That doesn't always work. Look at Galaxy over the past few years until this year. But you, you'd like to think with the star power they have for a full year, they should improve with the highest payroll in the league. And Atlanta, can they finally figure things out? I was at their uh, their Eastern Conference final in 2019 before Nashville SC even existed in MLS. And they haven't won a playoff match since the match before that one. You got to think they're eventually going to figure out an equation that works. Yeah, I, I actually really like Austin for the obvious reasons. Like when a team ap- appears to be lucky, it's easy to say, okay, they won't be next year. Um, for that reason, I, th- I think that that's, that's probably the obvious choice for for um, dropping off this year. I actually think FC Cincinnati is going to continue to get better. Pains me, though it, <laughs> though it pains me to say. I think FC Cincinnati is going to continue to get better. First year under a new administration, and they they turned a corner basically immediately. Um, I think when you look at they they were essentially the opposite end of Austin FC in terms of luck, which is incredible because they were good enough to make the playoffs for the first time, good enough to finish outside of the basement for the first time, and yet still probably left some meat on the bone in terms of how their production um, from an XG perspective matched up with the goals themselves. I think Pat Noonan um, is a guy who has an incredibly good handle on what he's doing and is going mm-hmm. to continue to improve that. Um, you look at Matt Miazga coming halfway through the year. Um, you know, you look at some of the other pieces that they could uh, replace defensively as compliments to him with guys who, who maybe have a little bit more athleticism to cover for Miazga's lack thereof, I guess would be a good way to put it. And and they have very obvious ways to improve without having to do a ton in terms of changing their personnel obviously you know we love Brandon Vasquez on this podcast and I think he will continue to improve now that he's gotten his chance as well so it's something that um you know you see the pieces in place and say oh they're they're very obvious one piece here one piece there and they can even be better than they have been with those guys Brandon Vasquez spent longer with Nashville SC than he has with the U.S. men's national team uh and not going to be in the mix for the World Cup the U.S. plays its first match Monday November 21st uh, Tim as we talk World Cup Seems obvious to me Walker's going to start for this team, probably go the full 90 every time unless Nashville's trailing and needs to throw him off to put in an attacking player, yada, yada. Um, any chance Shaq Moore slides into this 26-man roster 
he's on the outside looking in. Is it just going to take somebody getting hurt at this point? Yeah, it, I mean, if he's currently killing it in closed door scrimmages in Dallas, which uh, the MLS guys whose seasons ended early um, have been going through for uh, almost two weeks now, um, he could impress Greg Berhalter if he if he just goes out and shows that he's a player who um, deserves a better a better chance. Realistically, though, it would take some unavailability from some other guys. Um, whether that's say, um, you know, bringing a guy who has a little bit of an injury history or. You look at the guys that he would have to beat out. Um, Reggie Cannon is positionally versatile. He's, he can be a right back. He can also slide inside to right center back in a way that I don't think Shaq can do. Joe Scally, a guy who can play on the left side um, in a way that we haven't seen Shaq do, but he's a naturally right-footed player in there for a natural right fullback. Those guys have a little bit, they can bring a bit more without you know bringing another player because you can play them in multiple spots. So it would take a lot. I would take Shaq at least proving that he's okay. If you want to bring Deandre Yedlin, Shaq needs to show that he's better than Deandre Yedlin to, to yeah. earn a spot. But I don't know that Deandre Yedlin is, is currently reserved a spot on the plane either. So there's a lot of work to do for a guy like that. He needs some help, whether that's injuries or, or, you know, helping himself with just an, a lights out uh, close to camp this past couple of weeks. What other roster battles are you watching? For me, it's the the non-Walker uh, center back group. Miles Robinson's in- injury and John Brooks's inability to play soccer anymore, which is a weird one, but that's, a, that's okay. Um, you know, there aren't the pieces that you have expected historically. Um, Chris Richards, often injured. Tim Ream, not the most fleet of foot for a center back. You've got youngsters playing in mid-tier European leagues. Does that mean Aaron Long gets on the plane? Does that mean Aaron Long gets major minutes in the World Cup? I think most fans don't want to see that happen, but it's definitely something that seems like a possibility at this point. And that that'll be a position to watch world cup coming up. Lots to talk about numerous off season. In the meantime, stay tuned clubcountryusa.com for the latest uh, as every roster mechanism unfolds. You're going to want to stay tuned for Tim's updates. Thanks so much for listening. Rate review, subscribe, tell a friend about us as the off season begins. Give us each a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, thanks to Moon Taxi for the music. Thanks to 440 Sports Network for the platform. Go to ML Rose to watch the World Cup. You're going to probably see one of us there. There's a decent chance. Uh, just let us know before you go and take pictures. All right, guys, we will talk to you again next week. We're going to know a World Cup roster. We might know a lot more about Nashville SC. 